0: I'm Storm Team 2 Chief Meteorologist, Rob Fowler, and welcome to our latest edition of Get to Know. This is a chance for us to get to know you, our community, people in the community. And I am so excited to introduce our latest guest. Uh, My guest is Art Zimmerman. And Art, uh, a lot of people know you, Art, because you've been in the area for a while. You've been very involved in in marketing and advertising. Uh, You and Jane Murray put together an agency a few years ago And uh, you and I have gotten to know each other as well. So welcome to the podcast, Get to Know.
1: Rob, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, Yeah, Jane and I started our agency back, uh, I guess it was 1998, actually. But uh, my wife and I, Kathy, got uh, to Charleston and... See, 1991. So we've been here like 30 years. So, <laughs> a long time.
0: It has been a long time. And our relationship has really grown over the years. And it has to do with uh, something called the three degree guarantee. Yeah, three
1: degree guarantee, right. Well, we started that, of course, back with uh, Paul Heinauer and uh, Glass Pro. I think it was 2010 or 11. We're on
0: our, uh, yeah, 2011. We started in so January. So, I've been involved
1: since then on uh, in three degree. And uh, Paul, when he sold the company, uh, we just uh, got together with another one of our clients, Budget Blinds, and so they've taken it over and and, uh, very enthusiastic. I mean, the thing's raising money for local charities and something you do a lot, Rob. Uh, We all appreciate that. And uh, it's been successful. I mean, they... uh, you know we just keep rolling i think uh I think adam epstein's here today even recording
0: he is as we're recording this so, yeah, podcast yeah. they're recording something down in our studio now just to give you some numbers uh 2011 we started it here it is 2021 so 10 years and over that time uh You guys have donated about $260,000 to local charities, Art, and and you know you've been very involved in that. And a lot of the charities will tell you and tell me that, you know, without this money from the Three Degree Guarantee, they don't know what they were going to do. Well,
1: they're really, uh, the charities are so thankful. I mean, especially the smaller ones, which we try to focus on. I mean, you know, we have some bigger ones locally, but the smaller charities really appreciate, you know, that uh, money. The the notes they send back, and I know you've seen some. Yes. Absolutely, you know, appreciative of the money and uh, thank the sponsors. Uh, now budget lines and uh, it's just been great. So and I've enjoyed it. Um, I've spent. Uh, I guess, guess I could tell you. <laughs> I started my advertising agency career in 1967. So I have been in the agency business. I don't know how much that is. It's it's over fifty years. It's it's a it's, long time. didn't get to fifty-five years. So anyway.
0: But your expertise, Art, and I guess let's jump right into that arena. How sure. how have things changed over the many years you've been involved? Well,
1: I think uh, I tell my uh, kids and uh, the grandkids, especially my own children, I said when I started in business, there were no there were no fax machines. <laughs> so let alone no cell phones. <laughs> Obviously, no computers, no internet back in those days. So you. You know you went out to a meeting and you left the office. you come back and you get the big stack of you know message pads and that's the way it was. There yeah. was many, it, uh, we could use the telex machine from our Pittsburgh office where I started and uh, a large agency uh, if we had to get to a New York or Chicago office, but that was expensive, so you had to it had to be important <laughs> if you were going to use the telex so that really dates me but so I have seen the technology and the ad business really change to the you know. Back in the 90s, 80s, and into the 90s, we used to send our TV spots had to be tapes. You had to oh, yeah. FedEx tapes to TV stations. And the radio had to be cassettes. You know, you, there was no internet to send that. Now, today, you know, you email produced TV spots, broadcast quality, and the same with the radio. And so you can actually do so much from your desktop uh, or laptop. Uh, in a home office or wherever wherever you 're traveling i mean it's and clients are busy, so you know the meetings it cuts down on the meetings, there aren't a lot of them because who needs them? you know if they need them, we're there, but just to have a meeting, I think we get an awful lot done, and it's just the efficiency has just been terrific
0: you really can yeah, it really has been so so for our audience who may not understand the relationship between Sales departments and TV and radio stations and advertising agencies. How does how does that all work? How do those work together? We
1: basically, you know, for our clients, we our agency ZMA mostly does uh, works for clients who have TV and radio, a component of either one, and we handle print and, and uh, direct mail and that kind of thing, and usually outsource the creative part for that. But basically, what we do and what Jane is uh, absolutely terrific at is is the media buying, so we actually, we get a budget from a client, could be TV, could be radio, we agree in advance, what's the mix, if they're using both, how much money, and then our job is okay, well let's, what's the, bo- the most efficient way to spend that budget, to get the most eyeballs for a TV spot, or, or uh, uh, ears for a radio spot, and, and just, you make, you make media buys, so you put together a schedule, we, uh, Jane works with the TV stations and use rating books, and of course TV spots are priced on how many people are watching the shows. Right. So on a primetime show, you know, a really big one, that would be pretty cost prohibitive for most local advertisers. You know, so local news happens to be a product that uh, we really focus on a lot, and uh, you just the different day dayparts through the day—that's how you create the schedule. And uh, there's there's cost per point. And there's a lot of technical factors in it, but Jane's really a pro at that, and she's been doing it for a lot of years, so uh, uh, that's that's the buying part.
0: And and the pie, though, has been cut in so many more slices you know, than gosh. when you and I started yeah. uh, years ago. There was usually three network-affiliated right. stations. The Fox stations didn't have news, and, exactly. and so now you guys have to choose between so exactly. many different entities. Gotta,
1: it still comes down to, you know, how many people can we get uh, what kind of an audience can we generate? You know, the most efficient way using the dollars that we have. And we tell clients if their budget is too small, uh, don't don't spend. You have to. There's a minimum threshold. You know, you've got to get enough frequency so that somebody has an opportunity to, you know, to see your spot. So if the budget is too small, we may tell them, look, you can't afford TV. You're just wasting the money because if you don't have enough to get some velocity, you're just, you know, you're just wasting it put it in radio, or put it in another medium, uh, or you get the most bang for your buck, but there are some thresholds in broadcast that you've, you know, you've got to meet. And they're not crazy high, but right. you know, you, you gotta, uh, we kind of give that advice, and if somebody says, I got, you know, I have a small budget, I'd like to do some TV, eh, you know, maybe not, maybe there's another way to make better use of your budget.
0: So those are tough decisions. Obviously, tough. obviously, I work on a TV station, They're and we tough. but we understand that there are limitations for folks. Okay. Uh, but let me ask you another question sure. about the advertising part, because there's always that adage that uh, you know when the times are tough, a lot of folks will pull their advertising dollars off of yes. whatever entity. But then I've heard that you know you want to keep your product and your brand top of mind. We're a big believer in, uh, of
1: course, in television and radio broadcast, especially TV, which is our our. Uh You know, I think it's the most effective to get the most reach in a market in in an area. And uh, we tell clients, you know, and there have been studies, that the the successful companies, the large companies, when there's a downturn, you watch, those are the companies, especially in major markets, who add money to their budget. I mean, they're trying to get market share and they're going to out-awareness some of their competitors who just have to pull off right so they fill the vacuum and and so you know if a company can hang in and i think uh some of our clients have been i mean our automotive client we have a large one up in the a multi-point dealership in west virginia and you know last year tough year yeah you know car sales all the rest but they found ways to sell the cars meet with the customer on their you know where they live uh and uh they continued to advertise, and boy, they were about one of the few in, this was in Wheeling, West Virginia, who were advertising. So, and they were successful. They, did, they really did well. So I think uh, it pays off if uh, you, can, you can do it. You just, you know, we believe in advertising, we believe in TV, and so you just, you get clients who feel the same way, and they see the results. It's a win-win.
0: I know for you it's a very stressful job, and you've got to have a way to release that stress. And the way you've done it, at least one of the ways you've done it, you and I connect on, and that is you're a runner.
1: My running. Well, that's a, that's a strange story. I mean, I, ne- I never planned on being a runner. I never was a runner, and golf was my game all my <laughs> life. And I got to uh, – uh, I stopped smoking at 50 years old, and I, I was a pretty heavy smoker. And I gained a little weight, but I always thought to myself – yeah, I'm like a 190's guy, I could probably drop 10, yeah. it wouldn't be bad, but know, uh, I, I don't worry about it, I didn't get on the scale, so uh, quitting smoking, a few pounds kind of creeped on, nothing sudden, but you know, they were probably there, Right. plus the bowl of ice cream and the chocolate chip. That helps too, night. or hurts, you know. You know. <laughs> so one day it was, uh, it was in 2000, Christmas Day, I get on the scale. And uh yeah, just see what just for the heck of it. And it was two uh, fifteen and I so I thought, Well, this is probably broken. I mean that's not I'm no two fifteen, I'm a one nineties guy. So I go in, I run in, I ask Kathy, my wife, I said, uh, is that scale working in the bathroom? And she said, Yeah. <laughs> so I run back in and I get on and it's still two fifteen. I tell you, Rob, I stepped off the scale and I said, That's it. It's like an epiphany. I am going to lose some weight and not just a little weight. I'm going to, I'm just going to be aggressive. I'm going to go for 40 pounds. I'm going to lose 40 pounds. And that was, you know, that was the beginning of not running yet, but I'm going to lose 40 pounds.
0: So you made that commitment. In
1: basic training. I had basic training in Fort Jackson back in the sixties and uh, you know, I came here from Pittsburgh. Oh, I'd I you July <laughs> and August in Columbia. I never, ever in my life, had that kind of humidity, the heat. That was a hot summer, and I was on a, something called a Stillman diet, which uh, it was a diet back in those days, one of those fad diets. Uh, protein and drink a lot of water. So of course I wasn't trying to be on a Stillman diet or any diet. Right. But I could, It was so hot. All I could do in the mess hall was eat the meat and drink water. That's it. And I lost in those two months. Just ridiculous! I lost forty pounds. Wow! Just couldn't. It was just so hot. So I was in the best shape of my life, actually, when I got done. So that was forty pounds. So I thought, okay, now fifty-five. I could do that again. I'm gonna lose forty pounds. So I lose the first twenty, just dieting, and then I kind of stall. Ah, uh, can't get any further. And then I remembered, wait a minute, diet and exercise. I read that somewhere. <laughs> I've heard that so, too. I heard that. So anyway, so then I start. Walking and a little running, and eventually I start losing more weight. And then I sort of do more running, less walking, and I'm now getting. Oh, I like this running. I like this. This is fun. And then I lose more, and I lose. I'm up to 30 pounds now. I'm just running. Now I'm getting hooked on it, and I lose the 40 pounds. It took me three months to lose the first 20, three more of the second 20s. So I lose the 40, but now I am, I am hooked on the running. I mean, I am fanatic. So now I'm running five, six days a week, and I'm thinking, you know, boy, maybe I can run a half marathon, you know, because I, and it was never going to be fast. If you're, you start at 55, you're not going to be winning speed races. Right. <laughs> but it was the distance, it was how far could I run? And I'd try to run a little further, a little further, and I remember doing a 10-mile round trip that summer, I thought, over to Alphonse Connector, down to the Breach and went back to Seaside Farms, I thought, could do a half marathon. So I tried to sign up for the Kiowa in 2001, but they were full. I mean, okay. I don't know about, you know, anything. that was way late. I was trying to do it in like October. So I said, okay, so I just ran, you know, I did, I did a 10 miler of my own. But the following, uh, and then I looked for another half marathon sooner, and I ran the Folly Beach half marathon in 2002. And I actually, you know, I was so excited, I can't tell you, that was my first longer 13 miles. I ran the whole thing. I thought, this is unbelievable. I mean, I am not an athlete, and the fact that, you know, I was just so, you know, obsessed with, you know, running and how far could I go, and I wanted to be, at least try to get through that thing. So then I'm thinking, I wonder if I could do a marathon.
0: Yeah. Now we're stepping up. Because I was
1: whipped after the half marathon, so I thought. That means i to have to I would have to go turn around and go do that again.
0: <laughs> Double what you Twice. just did. Yeah. So I thought
1: about it and I said, you know, I tell you, I'm gonna try that ki- I'm gonna sign up for the Kiwi. The full marathon, the full twenty six in two thousand two. And from February to December, I mean I'm I was just running everywhere, all the time. Twenty five dollars a week, sometimes up to thirty. I just 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 ridiculous and uh, somebody said oh you can't run 7 days a week you're going you're gonna to hurt yourself so i did back off but um, i got i ran that well i got up to the Kiwa marathon i thought i'm going to try to do this under 5 hours which for most veteran marathoners that's not very fast but for me if i could do that under 5 so that was my goal under 5 hours run a marathon and i mean all the training i mean that year 2002 i ran 1133 miles wow. for, for the year. So that was in December. So I go run it, and it was a, it was a great uh, fun race. And then I, my wife was there, and my son, and I saw her at the half, halfway point. You do two loops, right? Key one. She said, How are you doing? I said, Great, it's going good. I got to mile 23, and I'm, I'm out of gas. I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed with the time. I know now I'm going to finish this, but so I start to walk. And I walked maybe a couple minutes, and I just was angry. I thought, I've trained so hard, I've run so many miles, and nobody cares about my five-hour goal. <laughs> nobody but me. I mean, it was stupid. Except, you know, that was what was driving me all, all year. Gotta beat five hours. So I said, I look at my watch, and I, if I can just start running again, to the end, I may be able to do it. So anyway, I I did. I started running again, and you know those last three miles, two miles. I got to one left. It was going to be really close, and uh it was four hours, fifty-eight minutes, and twenty-nine or thirty seconds. Bravo! So it was just under. But I'll tell you that people say, "Why would you run a marathon? Why do you even do that?" And I tell them it's hard to explain. It's a for most people to run a, a, a tough, a long race. It's the inner personal satisfaction. I mean, just it's all personal. It's just. Mentally, you've done something that's really hard, Yes. and, and uh, you know, that's, that's why I do it. I mean, that's, it's hard to really describe it, but that's the inner satisfaction of doing these long races for me.
0: Well, it's so. amazing, and you wrote a book. It's called Run for Your Life, and in the back, uh, you can flip all the way to the back, and all of the marathons that you've run, all the races that you've won, um, but in this book, Art, you, you talk a lot about real stuff, you know, and one of those that that I dealt with myself was I was running a lot, thinking I was thirty and I'm really now sixty. <laughs> And, uh, right. and trying to run, a, you know, a very fast pace and long distances, and uh, it just caught up to me. And I had to kind of sit back, you and I talked to, him. I had to sit yeah. back for about three months and do nothing, which absolutely almost killed me. I mean, I, I, I,
1: I remember when you and I were talking about that, and uh, my own experience was doing exactly the wrong thing. I would, you know, it's all soft t- t- tissue injuries, fortunately, but I had a lot of problem with my calves. And Achilles, I had plantar fasciitis, I had you name it, and hamstring, two or three pulled hamstrings. One of them was torn pretty bad. So, just from running and overdoing things, you know, trying to do more than I could, I'm forgetting I'm not 30. Yes. I'm not even 50 anymore, you know. (laughs) So, I would, you know, rest, you know, and felt pretty good, and I'd start before I was ready. And, son of a gun, I'd be right back. And so I mean, the, one of my tips at the end was, if you're a senior runner, after you finish an injury and you feel better, take another week. Take one more week after it feels absolutely great, or it'll come right back. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have didn't do that. And and all the I've run more races with injuries, the long ones, you know, and the the road marathon, I got a calf injury and I. I had rehabbed it, and I thought I was okay, and, I, and it, it got me through. But boy, I mean, it's just—it's just tough running when you're hurt.
0: Well, I remember hearing your voice in my head when i, I said I got to get out, and but I still felt a twinge. Oh, yeah. I felt a twinge in my left <clears throat> ankle. That's where I had most of my problems, and uh, uh, and and I waited. And I waited, and now I'm, I'm back to running about three times a week and, and ice a lot and yeah. and stretch a lot, things I probably wasn't doing enough of before. But in your book also, is there any, let's just say that someone is on our situation, and they, maybe they put on some weight, or they just want to get outside and enjoy uh, starting late in life running like this. What's, what's probably the I, biggest tip?
1: I think that, I mean, for me, the whole whole point of that book. I mean, my, my dad used to, have, he had a saying when I was growing up out in the country, and we were building our house, and uh, it's a whole nother, another story. It could be a whole other book, which I have some of it in this one, but he basically had this saying, I guess he got from the Navy. It was, it goes like this, difficult things we do immediately, impossible tasks just take a little longer. And I used to drive me crazy. I mean, you know, would be like, you know, dig a driveway from the road up to the house. I mean, it took me like six months. I'm beaten through, you know, like pounded down clay like concrete. So I guess my own experience, I think people give up on themselves maybe maybe too soon. I mean, I think if people, as they get older, will stretch and see if they can get past their own self-imposed limits you don't have to run a marathon, it's not about that. But if you don't do any walking, you can get out. If you if you make up your mind 100% I'm going to do this, I'm going to start exercising, three days a week. I'm going to walk 30 minutes a day, three times. Never walked before, I'm overweight, blah, blah, blah. So if you, in your head, get that, I'm doing it, then you'll do it. And nobody can talk you into it or say how great it is for you, that'll make you get out the door, you get it in your head. That you're going to commit to something, then you'll do it, and that's the same with me, with the running and the marathons. It was just, it's in your head. Or quitting smoking, or losing weight, or addictions. It has to come inside, and once you make up your mind, and and stop worrying about, I can't do that. I'm I'm too old. Uh, i just that's, and you sit back on the couch, then you're really missing a lot. You're missing out. I think if you challenge yourself. As you get older it'll keep you younger
0: I found that uh, when I 'm sitting on the couch something I used to do a lot you know, we all work hard and we want our weekends and and I almost feel guilty you know, I almost feel guilty that I should be out doing something and I think that's the mindset that i I take with me one thing also I've learned you know art is that you know i'm I'm, I'm a lot older now and I'm not going to be uh, seeing the same times I saw when I was a kid right. so you know I backed off on, on running a little slower and I think I'm enjoying it more. Well
1: that's the frustration <clears throat> the that I had to get over was you know you're going to get slower and I came to the realization for me it's like just give the best effort you, if you're in a race I'm not talking about your regular routine runs. right you, I take it easy on those myself but if you're in a race even 5k 10k then I really, I do the best I can do. I do the, I give it my maximum effort. When I get to the end, I'm whipped. I'm done. I've I've done as well as I could do. And then, boy, that's great. And the time almost doesn't matter. I mean, it matters because I'm checking it. I'm tracking it. But the point is, whatever it is, is fine. I don't get disappointed. I just do the best I can. I'm trying to get a goal. I'm always on my watch if it's like a... You know, I, hadn't, I couldn't get under an hour over that new bridge, Cooper River Bridge, and I've run it the last 20 years. And finally I get to the point one year, if I don't do it this year, I'm, I'm just not, not going to be able to get under an hour. And so anyway, I, that was the year I did it. It was a 59.30, and that was, that was my last shot at under an hour. But, but I mean, I have a goal, so I really was trying hard. But if I missed it, I missed it. You know, it was given the effort, that's what counts.
0: Well, Art, this has been a great discussion, and you have so much insight into many things. But uh, one thing you and I connected on was the running part, and I really appreciate your your information. And again, uh, run for your life. Uh, this is the book, Art Zimmerman, and it's one runner's personal story. And you've shared some of that with us today. Well, thanks,
1: Rob. I enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, the book. Uh I always wanted to write a book since I got my journalism degree at Penn State, and you know, like gets in a way, you know, do it. <laughs> but I had all that data, the running logs, the bibs, I had. I recorded every time I ever ran when I started, all the way till, till today, and so I have the data, and I thought, maybe I could do a book, so that was the genesis of the, of the, of the actual writing of the book, and just to, to have a book done, published, and uh, you know, have it on the online platforms
0: Great. Well, I'm honored to have a signed copy by wow. you. Thank so you. if uh, if someone is interested and they're listening to this podcast and they want to find out more and read this book, and uh, where can they find can it? You can
1: find it on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, all the online platforms. The, the trick is to search the book, Run For Your Life, One Run Runner's Personal Journey. You have to put the whole title in. That's just the way this <laughs> I'm not the only person that wrote Run For Your Life as a title. Well, you do run for your life, one runner's personal journey, quote Puppet Pops. And there's some nice reviews on, the, on Amazon, and of course, no one. a little summary, so you get the gist of what it's
0: about. Well, Art Zimmerman, thank you very much for joining oh, thank us you. on our podcast. I've learned so much, and uh, I'm going to keep on running. Terrific. You do it. <laughs>
1: I'm out there. I'm going out in the morning.
0: Well, I'm Storm Team 2 Chief Meteorologist Rob Fowler. We hope you've gotten to know Art Zimmerman here, and uh, until next time, may all your days be sunny.